resilience isn't necessarily like how many blows can you take before you fall it's more so like how do you take whatever life has given to you um, and still make forward progress mm -hmm. even if that forward progress is only like you know micrometers and make sure that you like when you finally get to that destination that you have not fallen apart Hello world and welcome to Her Royal Science. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. Today we'll be chatting with Daryl Brown II, a PhD candidate in the electrical and computer engineering department and the psychology department at the University of California, San Diego. He previously completed his BS in mechanical engineering at Howard University, HU, okay, <laughs> and his MS in bioengineering at UCSD. Daryl is also a part of the UCSD Cuyamaca Pathways program, which provides guidance to first-generation community college students interested in transferring to four-year institutions. And Daryl is an ambassador for ComSciCon, where we met in 2019. ComSciCon is the communicating science workshop for graduate students. I'm so thrilled to be catching up with Daryl today about his research, his SciCom, and a whole lot more. But let's start from the very beginning. Daryl, what's your story? Well, uh, as a start, so I was born in, you know, Maryland uh, to a OBGYN, a doctor, and a electrical engineer. So I've always joked as a kid that, um, you know, you bring a, a, a electrical engineer and a doctor, you, you get a biomedical engineer. That was always like my joke <laughs> as a kid. I've always, like, you know, I want to help people, but I also want to build things. So moved from like Maryland to Tennessee, so Nashville for a bit, um, back to Maryland, then down to Texas. So a lot of my formative years were down in Texas. So like Plano, Texas, which is a suburb of, of Dallas. Wait, no, uh, are you serious? Yeah, yeah. I lived in Plano. That is such a small world moment. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, and then we moved to Keller, Texas from like my final two years of high school. Um, and then I ended up going uh, to Howard University. Um, so growing up, I've always been, you know, like, a good a good uh lodestone in in my life was the fact that my uh my grandfather on my mother's side um was paraplegic um so mm -hmm. he he never could walk um he he, ne he was never able to walk um, during my lifetime um and i was always very curious of, of like you know how can i help him um very compassionate kid always want to help others and also very curious kid always like you know why why this why can't i do that what what is and so uh it gave me really interested in the brain and biomedical and I was very interested in like neuroprosthetics from a very early age. Um, and when it came down to it, like, you know, I wanted to do biomedical engineering. And when I was applying for college, I got like So we were going to like, um, like I did like summer camps and things. And we went to like college like visits. And I remember there was a professor at UTD. And I was like, you know, like, I think I want to major in biomedical engineering because that's what I want to do. Uh, and he was like, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> okay. he, he was very it was it was like his his advice because you know at the time like uh, the accreditation for biomedical and bioengineering programs for undergrads um, were still like they're still coming up with their own norms yeah. um and so he's like you, you know major in one of like the foundational engineering so either electrical engineering mechanical engineering or chemical engineering and mm -hmm. then go to grad school and, and then specialize in biomedical that was like the advice oh. he gave and so me and my naivety and the fact that I like loved my physics class, I, I took both honors physics and AP physics. And I was like, you know, <laughs> physics, like if I can see it, if I can touch it, I can understand it. I got like yeah. mechanical engineering that of the three mechanical electrical. Yeah. I'm going to get shocked. 
chemical <laughs> i just i suck at chemistry yeah and mechanical that, that must be where it's at so i will apply for like mechanical and aerospace programs mm. and uh I'll let you decide whether to cut this out or not. So <laughs> I, I I applied everywhere. So yeah. I would really want to go like to like um, like Johns Hopkins or Duke or Carnegie mm-hmm. Mellon, Case Western, mm-hmm. as well as like you know a Texan, Texas A and M, UT, University of Texas Dallas, SMU, Baylor, all these you know, great engineering schools, but all very white schools. Yeah. Uh, that like, but that was like the the concern my parents had because you've lived in Plano, which can yeah. be is very, you know, it's, it's diverse suburb but it's it's very white it's very white it's also very asian yeah. um and so like it, my parents were were concerned that I, I wasn't going to go outside of my comfort zone mm. and so like they were like they pushed me to apply to a bunch of hbcu so i applied to to morehouse mm-hmm. famu prairie view so i ended up getting into all the hbcus i applied for mm-hmm. and i ended up getting like like waitlisted at north uh at um at uh johns hopkins i ended up, like didn't get into uh to duke mm-hmm. um and i got to like Carnegie mellon case western smu um and you know texas a&m i got in but like they only offered core of cadet which i was like yeah um, i don't know if i want to enlist to be able to pay for college yeah. um and what ended up happening was uh howard actually gave me a full ride Sweet. Um, okay. Yeah, which is really you know great, but the problem was that both my parents went to Howard. Why is that a problem? <laughs> me, this is this is not a problem now, but like younger, more naive, spoiled <laughs> me was like I don't, I like I want to go somewhere different than my parents. And then so like I remember when I like like I actually threw away my acceptance letter to Howard the first time. <gasps> Are you kidding? It's really bad. That's what I was like. I'll let you. I'll let you decide where that throws away. No, we're keeping and... this. Are you kidding? <laughs> What? I'm not. I'm this not. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, so they sent another one. I still remember the sound of like, there's like, there's that sound that 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 squeal or screech or scream your parents can do when like they're like shocked, but it's a positive shock, and they're like <laughs> super like super excited. Yeah. I still remember the sound my mom made when like they how apparently sent another one. Like I I, I was not thorough enough, <laughs> and my mom is like, oh my gosh. Uh, DJ, which is like the nickname, like like my family calls me, like yeah. DJ, you you got a full ride to Howard, you got a full ride. It was like I'm like in the back of my mind, like, darn it, <laughs> dang it. So, which is like uh, looking back on it, because like, I graduate, I graduated from high school in 2010, which is like the height of the recession. Yeah. So like to be fair, like I like my family didn't have enough money for me to be that 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 like spoiled, <laughs> like, and I wasn't even raised to be that spoiled. It was like the the the, the I decided to rebel in like one very particular moment and it failed spectacularly. And so I still remember. So uh, I got partial scholarships for a lot of the schools, but like in particular, like SMU and Case Western seemed like they really were interested in me going. They had like had me interview with the person. So they gave me partial scholarship and they started giving me like, like the, like, like recruiting scholarships. Like, like here's like, you know, like a $7,000 one year or two year award, or here's a $14,000. Like, mm. But like the schools are like you know, 50,000 yeah. a year. Yeah. <laughs> So I remember I was telling my mom, hey, mom, like, you know, SMU's getting really close to a full ride. My mom, my mom literally without like dropping beats, like, I don't know why you're still emailing them. I sent your your acceptance to Howard like two weeks ago. And so that's how I found out I was going to Howard. (laughs) 
And to be honest, like to be uh, like very like to be very honest, I am so happy my mom did that. Yeah. Because like it was stupid of me, and I really like I realized like like after like you know like like a day or two after I realized like you know no this was it was stupid of me, yeah. but like you know like if I had gone to the other schools, my parents would have had to have used the money they saved for me for college to yeah. pay for college. But, like, the difference is, like, you know, like, they didn't know what the economy was going to be like after the recession. Yeah. And my younger brother needed to go to college, too. It's like, yo, like, we could – you have a full ride. We could take the money we saved for you to go towards your brother because, like, you know, it paid for room and board and it paid for tuition. Yeah. And end up getting – um, I was actually – I'm a Jackie Robinson scholar. So it's like, you know, you get, like, this, like, direct funding to you. Like, I, it was, like, basically enough money that, like, I can pay for my textbooks yeah. and as long as I'm not extravagantly eating out all the time, you know, I can pay, I can feed, put food on my table all throughout college. So, like, it was, it was the greatest thing my parents could have done yeah. as well as Howard itself was, like, a great environment for me to grow as a scientist mm. because, and I kind of described other people before, but it's like, you know, like, at, at, I've growing up, especially like on Plano and yeah. Keller, I was like, you know, the nerdy black kid. Yeah. Insert adjective plus black. Like it was always in the mm-hmm. context of this space. Yeah. And the way that I, I moved and operated and thought was still uh, in a very like in the context of me trying to fit into different environments, into different spaces, as well as different expectations. Mm. Whereas at Howard, it was nice because, you know, I was just the nerdy kid. I yeah. was just the weird nerdy kid. <laughs> it wasn't the, the weird nerdy black kid. I was just the weird nerdy kid. And I found other weird nerdy kids who happened to also be black. And we're all like, you know, like every, it was a nice space to grow. It was also nice in terms of classes mm-hmm. because I never really had to worry about like, are they treating me differently because I'm black? Mm-hmm. No, they're mm-hmm. not. They're, mm-hmm. they're treating everyone like this. It was a very nice experience. Uh, as well as having lots of role models who understood where, like, you know, where I am in my career, where I want to be. And there's a certain level of, like, uh, brutal honesty that you mm. get with, like, with, with, like, black mentors towards black mentees. Where it's like, yeah. yo, the world is not going to call to you. Like, like me being spoiled, like, throwing away my acceptance letters at Howard, that shit's never going to fly. Like, that, <laughs> that was your first and, and last, last attempt at that. <laughs> And you're not that, that that energy that thought pattern. We're, we're going to beat that out because that's not you're not you're not going to thrive outside the world acting like that. And yeah. that was a very, you know, you need that brutal honesty to grow as a person, especially when you're young and naive. And it was it was the greatest thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I really lucked out. Uh, I was a junior at Howard University. Mm-hmm. And two things ended up happening. One, um, the University of California was starting it uh, was just starting a program called the UCHBCU okay. uh, Pathways Program. Hmm. It's basically like um, they recruit HBCU students for the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a ten week program, and they get to do research. They also give you training on how to like how to apply for the NSF, how to um, how to write for grants. And they also it was also um, a GRE um, like like training class. Mm. Cause like once again, there's there's a yet another evil testing services test I have to take and study for to get into higher education. Yeah. They also were telling me there was like this uh, this black faculty who was working there who was doing biomedical stuff that was really cool. Um, like you probably like, like Professor Todd Coleman. Oh yeah. Um, who's who's kind of like you know who's a great mentor and like that I, I hadn't yet met, but I like they played his TED talk and I was like, oh my gosh, like I really want to work with this guy. So uh, this new program is starting on top of that. 
uh, if you if you get into the program and if you apply to UC and you get in, you you um, they there's funding. You just about five years of funding. Like um, it, it switches off and on between the UC office of the president and the local university. Oh. And I was like, yeah. So I applied for that, and there was also another program funded through the NSF called Gear Up. Um, where you get to do um, like a one month research experiment uh, experience in another country, um, wow. with like a, you're working uh, you work you partner with a, with a, with a host university you have you have a PI this there and a PI this at Howard mm-hmm. you have grad students you work with um, and so I apply for that and it just happened by the grace of God that there is this four week program that's at the very at the very start of the summer yeah. and then the the um, the UC HBCU program starts like a few days later. And, and like it was 10 days after that. So I ended up doing both. Wow. So that, it was it was a blessing. It was yeah. it was great. So I, I got to work in Boya, Cameroon. I was working with biomaterials. Um, so like there's uh, this this palm fiber where we're trying to see if, if it could be used in, in, in industry mm. um, or maybe for textiles. And then I came back to uh, like a flu back and I was super. It was like a, like a nine hour time difference. Super jet lagged. Yeah. Um, stopped off in my fam- my parents house in Keller for like two days where I was like I was only awake between like like 2 a.m. and like 11 or something. It was it was oh. terrible. And then I flew out to San Diego. <laughs> That experience honestly solidified, like, yeah, I want to do research. I want to do grad school. I'm, mm. I want to do biomedical, and I'm definitely interested in the brain. Like, this is it. Was, it was getting to do the research that I originally came to Howard to do at UCSD was like, oh, I love this. This is what I want to do. Yeah. Now you study songbirds, which is quite a jump from everything that you've described to date. So, how did you jump into that research and tell us more about that research? Uh, so I'm in bioengineering and I kind of unknowingly fell into the trap of, of, of a particular, like a particular faculty who was not my advisor, mm. um, his like bad side. Oh, um, okay. And they kind of made my life, uh, a living hell for a while. And oh, uh, what I ended up, ended up having to do is like, I mastered out of the bioengineering program. Mm. Um, I ended up transferred to electrical engineering and working, um, with my current advisor, Vakash, uh, mm. Vakash Gilja. Like I've always wanted to do prosthetics. Um, there was a new project that was starting out, and in principle, we want to see if we can make an animal model, mm-hmm. or, or we can want, we want to expand an animal model. Mm-hmm. Um, so for upper limb and, and like lower limb prosthetic research, if you if you want to have like um, like like neuroprosthesis, mm-hmm. uh, it's useful to have an animal model. And yeah. the, the 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 gold standard is like a macaque monkey, which is would make sense. Mm-hmm. They're very similar to us both, like in the neurophysiology. They're very f- similar to us into their actual physical f- physiology, and so you can test case in uh, like the macaques mm-hmm. um, and build prototype and, and build better understandings that we can then translate to human in the clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, but for speech and for communication, like you know, you can't you can't tell a monkey to say hello fifteen times in a row. Yeah. And so the 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 original idea was like, which was uh, really spearheaded by a postdoc in our lab as well as by my other advisor. So um, like uh, Seke Arnedo, um, who's a postdoc, and then Professor Tim Gittner, mm. um, who's like my one of my co-advisors. And they were like, okay, well, songbirds and a song motor system we've already have found it useful for understanding how we learn vocalizations. How do we learn? 
um, complex vocalizations from a tutor, from a, from a mentor, which is how we learn how to how to speak. Mm-hmm. When birds are pract- like you know, when young fledglings are practicing songs, is, is very similar in terms of that learning process. Yeah. Um, so what if like the, the the crazy question was, what if we could leverage songbirds as mm-hmm. our test case animal model for human speech? Mm-hmm. Um, they don't necessarily have to be the exact same, mm-hmm. but if they have similar timing requirements mm-hmm. for like feedback. So if the birds need to hear, like, you know, as I'm talking right now, I'm checking to make sure what I hear is my feedback is what I intended to say. Mm-hmm. If they have similar feedback requirements, at the very least, we can test case systems to work with them. So we're not just starting from scratch work with humans. Mm-hmm. Really, what really draw me to this project was like, it had the potential to really help a lot of people. Like if, mm-hmm. if we were able to put the, gr- the grunt work in and, and build something, um, that it could lead to a lot of people having a, a increase in quality of life. Yeah. And so like the long-term goal, uh, well, I mean, and, and immediately we've, we've gotten some success in terms of there's two papers who have recently come out of this project. Um, congrats. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they both came out last year. Um, but like we, like we were able to like synthesize the bird song using their brain activity as well as, um, so like the paper that was first author, um, that we're able to like, uh, predict which syllable the bird's going to sing as well as finding neural features and neural correlates that are very similar to the ones that we see for humans. Oh, wow. Um, which like is still like we, uh, I would love for us to have more evidence and more, more work, but like, you know, the, the early evidence is there and it's kind of like a flag for the community is like, Hey, like this, this seems like a, a good approach and the more hands on deck, uh, and the more, more people who are aware and it would work, work together, the, the faster we'll be able to move. Mm-hmm. And it's meaningful and so fascinating. I remember you first telling me about this work in 2019, and I still remember aspects of it because it was so fascinating. I, I would have never thought of something like this because we have such you know traditional models of disease, typically monkeys or mice or rats or pigs even, but I'd never mm-hmm. heard of the possibility of expanding into songbirds for this, this kind of work. It's absolutely fascinating. I kind of wanted to circle back to how you handled that really difficult time when you had to master out of your program. What measures did you put in place to make sure, make sure that you were taken care of emotionally, you, you didn't lose yourself and you weren't really, you know, bearing the brunt of someone else's attacks on you? Honestly, I, I didn't <laughs> at the oh, time. Oh no. Okay. Um, I like, I, I, I think the best thing that I did was I, I got therapy. I was seeing a therapist like every other week or every mm. week because uh, it got to the point I was having um, PTSD like symptoms. Oh goodness. Um, but like ultimately like therapy, support for my family, support for my PIs um and as well as uh like a support for my community so like like the black rads kind of rallied around each other and looked mm-hmm. out for each other yeah but i am definitely cognizant that i it is definitely uh like survival survivor bias mm-hmm. um because i'm sure that there's plenty of other people who are in very similar situations who they ultimately um they they weren't able to to turn the situation around mm-hmm. i think i was very fortunate because like hard work doesn't always work out um, but mm-hmm. I was very fortunate in both the environment that I had was ultimately supportive. Yeah. Um, the su- support network I had was there to give me the the nourishment, whether or not I was in a position to really uh, appreciate it. Mm. I, I think one thing really helped me out was to have my own external funding. Yes, so yeah. like the very least, I didn't have to worry about like, how am I going to pay for rent? How am I going to pay for food? How mm. am I, like, and so that, that, that was how 
I kind of navigate and move through that that mm-hmm. time in my life. Mm, I think it's so important that you mentioned therapy, not only just because a lot of grad students tend to listen to these kinds of programs, but also just because of the community that we belong to. I do think it's getting better with respect to the stigma associated with therapy, but I think the more we talk about it, the better it'll inevitably get. So thank you for sharing that. I all all my homies get therapy. That that's <laughs> like and we all we we check we check on each other. Like yeah. you know, like like if, if you're having a tough day and you need a vent, you like you check in. Like hey, do you have the emotional bandwidth before this conversation? I love my friends and my support network, and I yeah. love the fact that they there's a reciprocity and yes. checking in with each other. Yeah, both like you know and communicating need explicitly mm-hmm. communicating their needs. Mm-hmm. Like when they're like, hey, I'm going through a tough time, but I don't I don't want to talk about it. Yes. Or him going through a tough time. Do you have bandwidth? I, I need to talk about it. Yeah. Um. And being able to match each other and look out for each other. Um. Because like without that, I don't know if I would have. I, I don't know if I'll be this far in my PhD. Yeah. Oh, I'm so so grateful. So grateful that you have that, and so happy to hear that you have that. I'm hesitant to bring it up just because we've had such a light conversation, but I do know that one of the things that you wanted to talk about was dealing with loss in graduate school, because that is something that you've experienced and you wanted to kind of share your own story in the hopes that someone else who might be going through something similar might be able to see themselves and get some some strength from the story that you have to share. But I'd like to let you tell the story however you wish to to tell it. So in the first year of my... my uh of grad school, my grandmother passed away, um, like at the very start of my second quarter, which mm-hmm. was like, you know, my grandparents are, are very are humongous lodestones in our family. They're kind mm-hmm. of pillars. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grand, my grandfather, um, who was paraplegic, um, he had passed away when I was a kid, but my grandmother, she passed away like very early in my grad school career, mm-hmm. um, which was very tough to like, you know, like I had to fly out to Alabama for a funeral and then come back. Oh my gosh. I tanked a quiz because it was, it was like less than 48 hours after after she had passed and the professor wasn't uh like like he was like yeah like don't worry about it it, it, it you will just get the grade you just have to work harder later and uh, the following quarter my mother was in the hospital for a month she had uh intestinal blockage oh um gosh. so there was a there was a period of time where we, were, we were afraid we were going to lose her <sighs> so like my first year was was pretty crazy yeah. um and going to therapy was very helpful having a support network to yeah. to, to talk to yeah. um you know like having friends that you you're you're okay with crying with Mm -hmm. and they're you know they're going to ship they're going to that that's you know that's not that's not too far for the friendship that's you know it's it's understood for you to have real lived emotions Mm -hmm. um and they're and then be validated um and then also like you know like i went to the gym every day which is something that i try to do in grad school Mm -hmm. um so at at the time i was actually kind of crazy i was doing two a day so i'll go into the gym early in the morning and then i'll go to water polo practice at night um don't don't i don't recommend that for grad students don't don't do what i did don't don't do that um oh gosh. but uh so like just like keeping tabs of my nutrition were, were how i kind of kept myself seen yeah um but like i will say that it's it's almost like a muscle that you work being able to be resilient during tough times not like i don't want to really like i uh, uh idolize you know let me just work through the pain that's not mm. what I'm, I'm trying to say it's more so uh being able to have something just you know terrible things happen it's life like mm-hmm. it's not all all good uh but be able to accept that something terrible has happened accept your feelings know they're valid get the help and and and, and resources you need 
to work through those emotions and make sure you're still taking care of yourself um, and still be able to work at your own pace and, and be in an environment where it's okay for you to work at your own pace. So you, you know, you're still like we're grass since we always have to be, to be producing, whether it's producing at like hundred percent rate or 200% or, you know, sometimes you either run at 25 or 5% yeah. for a while so you can get back to your normal rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so most recently I just lost my, my uncle um, uh, just, a, just a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, and I, 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 I you've been very supportive during that time. This <laughs> like, the all my homies go to therapy. All my homies like they they're supportive. That's yeah. the that's the other thing I recommend. Yes. Um, choose your village carefully, and your village will will make themselves painfully apparent when you when you meet people that you can vibe with and you can talk to, and they can give you um, reciprocity and support. Yeah, both in a professional and a personal level. Yeah, keep them around. Even if they're across the globe, I have <laughs> friends all over the globe who I've like, you know, met them for like a summer. But like, yeah. if they needed a couch to crash, I'd be like, do you, I have an extra bed if you like, like, like how long do you need? <laughs> Having friends that, you know, that, 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 that they're like that um, yeah. is, is a, a big, big impetus, especially like resilience isn't necessarily like how many blows can you take before you fall? It's mm-hmm. more so like. Um, how do you take whatever life has given to you um, and still make for progress, mm-hmm. even if that for progress is only like, you know, micrometers mm-hmm. and make sure that you like when you finally get to that destination that you have not fallen apart. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's an important one. Do continue. Uh, I know when my grandmother passed, when I first started grad school, like that was a, a year long grieving process and it was a yeah. year long of like, you know, not being as productive as I would have liked. Mm. Um, whereas with my uncle, like I, I, I'm not saying that it got easier in terms of grieving, but knowing knowing that my feelings were valid, knowing mm. that I like that I had support yeah. um, allowed me to kind of rebound a bit quicker or was, mm. at the very least be able to still function mm. and for it to be okay for me to be functioning at a lower pace. Yeah. Um. And like you know, my my bosses know what would happen. My lab mates know what happened. My friends know what happened. And mm-hmm. like they're giving me what the, the the support I need at the time I need it. Yeah. Um. And then they're also listening to me when I'm like, hey, no, like I I'm I'm screwing up. Like I, I need to make this deadline. Hold me to this deadline. And and then knowing when when to to push and when to to let things slide. Yeah. Yeah. It's a delicate balance. I was concerned that you were kind of jumping back into things a little too quickly, which was why I was so hesitant to meet on the original day that we had planned to chat. Cause I thought, no, it's just, it's too soon, but you, you speak words of wisdom because I'm sure the first time around when it was your grandmother, you felt like you had to push forward, whereas you're giving yourself permission now. And it feels different because of the permission. Most definitely. You're just, you're allowing yourself to have those moments. And I know that for certain, you were also quite supportive of me when I lost my grandfather in November last year, where I gave myself permission to be sad. Oh yeah. Like you just give yourself permission. Go on. It is okay to cry. It is yeah. okay. And ug- ugly cry. <laughs> the, uh, the ugly, like you're holding yourself as you're like rocking up like side by like side to side with like there's snot dripping. Out. It is okay to ugly cry. 
this is some this is like you know something happened to you your feelings are valid yeah. and like it, it's not okay i will say what's not okay is like to suck it in just like i'd rather those feelings come out violently with like like the snot and tears <laughs> than violently with like a heart attack like, yes oh my gosh or coming out as anger to someone who didn't deserve it or yeah um, causing trauma or having a panic attack like like those feelings are going to get out the, yeah. that they're they are unstoppable whether they come out as like fluid out of your eyes or like like a, a cardiac arrest is is your choice yeah oh that's so so true yeah thank you for sharing your words of wisdom with me not only here but also in the messages that we exchanged back and forth because you had personal experience of having lost your grandmother and I hadn't really lost a grandparent that was that close to me so I appreciate that so much so I want to take a moment to say thank you you are very welcome and there is nothing that can really prepare you for that if there is anyone who's listening to this who's going through this in the moment and you haven't recovered quickly after you've lost someone who is close to you it's okay it's very okay it is um therapy is wonderful make sure a good therapy i should clarify good (laughs) therapy and a good therapist yeah. is 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 amazing, and a good support network. Yes, um, it doesn't have to be your family if yes. if, you, if you are not close to your family, um, but like a good support network of, of people who you know have your back, who who you know have your best interest in mind, mm-hmm. and they can they can meet you emotionally how you need them, and that that you are the same to them. Yes. That's awesome. I can't think of a more perfect ending to our conversation. Thank you so much, Daryl. Thank you so much, future Dr. Brown. It's going to happen soon, so might as well start using the name. (laughs) Dr. Brown's my mother. Um, You can just call me (laughs) Daryl. But thank you. You are welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. (laughs) 